what we're going to look at today. Whose influence are you under? For some, maybe it's a friend or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or maybe it's a teacher or a coach or a boss or maybe some leader in the community, somebody you admire in your family. There's somebody's influence, probably more than one person, that uh, is influence that you're, you're under, that we're, you know, we, we do that. We're in the third week of this series called Finish Strong, and it's about going the distance. This was written by the Apostle Paul, uh, this book we're looking at in 2 Timothy. Uh, it's at the end of his life. He's in a dungeon of a Roman prison. He's awaiting his own execution. And Paul wrote this letter to his friend Timothy, who was the leader of the church in Ephesus. And in this letter, Paul talks about what it takes to finish strong. And he uses his own life as this, this perfect, this beautiful example of you know, th- that exact thing. In fact, in the final paragraphs, Paul says with the note of victory, I have fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. I don't know about you, but I want to say that. I think it's something probably a lot of us, we, we want that to be true of our life at the end of it. Uh, I want to finish well. And it's something that each one of us will be able to say if we will prepare to go the distance. To prepare to go the distance. Now, one of the big steps in that process is that we learn how to manage our influences, and that's what today is all about. Today in 2 Timothy 3, we're going to look at three ways you can guard yourself, guard your heart, guard your mind, guard the next step that you're going to take uh, before you get off track. And it all comes down to influences. Uh, they're powerful. So let's look at those. First of all, Paul tells Timothy that if you want to finish strong, that you've got to learn to avoid the wrong people. And doesn't that just feel judgmental? Doesn't that just feel, you know, I had friends when I started walking with the Lord and I surrounded myself, had a lot of, you know, some of my pals. I don't think any of them were very good for me. And it was just so easy for me to follow along and to do the things they wanted me to do and just to be a part of things. And uh, one of the hardest decisions I ever made after, for those of you who are young Christians, when I was a young Christian, after I fell once and twice and three, and I thought, you know what, this is not working for me. And it was a difficult decision to pick up and move 100 miles away. I mean, that's just kind of where I was in my lifestyle and some things. I don't think that was necessary. I look back on it, I think it was absolutely crucial that I do that. But for me, at the time, that just felt like the right thing to do. I just had to get a little bit of separation, a little distance. I had to avoid the wrong people. Because I was surrounded by wrong people. Last week, we talked about Hall of Famers. And Paul begins this chapter, chapter 3, with something that we might call Hall of Shamers. Uh, he says in the last day, there's, it's going to be, become very difficult to be Christian. I think we're starting to see that. I don't want to be an alarmist. I know probably every pastor of every generation, you know, every preacher has said, this is the generation, I can't believe how far we've come, and would you look at that? I'm one of those guys. I really believe we've turned a corner. I think it started maybe around the 60s, you know, that, that something used, the things we believed, what was important to us was actually consistent with, with scriptural view, oftentimes. I didn't include the, the heart of the gospel, but 
right was right and wrong was wrong and that kind of thing. And then it began to shift and the fabric began to, to tear apart and things began to break down. Uh, I think scripture foretells that it sees that. It knows that we're living in that kind of a, a generation. He says this is the direction that the, the human race is headed. And we can't be naive about it. I wish. I mean, I'm a positive guy. I really am. I'm not a gloom and doomer. Uh, I, I try to be a realist, but I think people are we're coming to this place where we're seeing this happen. Paul says people love only themselves. They will love money above everything. They will be proud, arrogant, and conceited. And they will love pleasure much more than they love God. There's some interesting things uh, on this list as Paul goes through this in the beginning of this chapter. And one of those things that kind of stood out to me, it just kind of got my attention because it seems out of place. I mean, he's talking about these big issues and here's these things. And then he throws in, they would be disobedient to their parents. And you think, really? Out of all these important issues and the things that we need to look out for and, and watch for as earmarks, disobedient to parents? Why would Paul say that? I mean, it's not like he's speaking to his youth group. He said it because I think whether you're young Uh, or not our obligation is to honor our parents and it never ends uh, I know some of you even when I mentioned that we're going to be talking about influences some of you maybe you're my age a few years younger older you're looking over at maybe some college students or you're looking at some high school students saying man I hope they're listening today I hope they get it I hope they get how important it is to ignore peer pressure and to kind of go with their heart and to go with the Lord. Listen, hey, I'm looking at you, adults. I've seen some of the craziest decisions come out of meetings and atmosphere, moments where we just follow the strongest personality in the room, the loudest voice, the person who seems to have the most influence because of their position or their authority or just their, but the sheer force of their personality. And I've seen adults track along. Listen, you need to stop and think. Stop, hesitate and think, why? Who am I listening to here? So it's, it's not just, you know, for, for students. A lot of people today, um, and, and I think for adults, sometimes our favorite pastime is to blame our parents for everything that we don't like about our lives. And I understand some of you messed up, okay? Uh, me too. And I understand maybe your daddy had something to do with that or your mama had something to do with that. I think that's legit. I fully realize there are father issues that are going on in this room. But listen, we get to a certain place. You've got to move past that. And that's what the gospel does. It breaks this bondage that we have to the past, and the things that are, you know, happened to us. Maybe you're still under that influence. And you're thinking, Dan, I wish it were just that easy. Please trust me that I say this not with authority, but I, I say it with passion. I say it with sympathy because I, I understand. I'm not saying it in an, in an abstract way. I know maybe your parents had influence on you. And, and, and you think, well, I don't know if I can break out of that. Yes, you can. That's what Jesus did. He gave us a new past. We're going to talk about that in a series coming up this spring. Um, but, but I think it's time to let them go, to forgive some things and to step forward into adulthood. Uh, and if you're in your, I'm going to say early 20s, mid-20s, 30s, 40s, it's time, to, it's time to move on. It's time to go on. I mean, even when I say that, doesn't there feel like a sense of release? Doesn't there just feel like something like, I need to let mom and daddy, it's my life now. And I'm, 
making these decisions. I'm going to make the next choices. And that's a little closely kind of related to this next item on the list where he says they would be ungrateful. Uh, And this list also includes the words abusive. And in the King James, in the old school language, uh, he says blasphemers, which is strong. And we usually associate that with uh, those who would insult God and just say things or you've crossed the line, you've been so disrespectful. Uh, But the Greek term has this broader application. It refers to those who, who just love to make insults. Love those who speak abusively against anyone, whether it's directed toward God or a human being. And Paul is talking about the kind of person who just loves to hurt others with their words, which can be absolutely devastating. Some of you are 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, and words that you heard as a child are still influencing and affecting how you live your life and how you see yourself and and how you move forward. He says there are people who just like to berate and diminish and disrespect others with their words. And that can be powerful in a negative way. There have always been people with those kind of traits since the beginning of time. Our generation didn't invent that. But there's one thing about this group that, uh, of people that makes them especially, I think, insidious. And Paul describes them in verse 5 as having a form of godliness but denying its power. I think Paul's talking about religious people. People who on the surface have the appearance of, you know, they're respectable, they know the language, they've kind of got down the whole church thing, uh, but underneath they can be cold and lifeless. And you just sense there's something there that's just not genuine, something that's not authentic. Listen to how Jesus describes these people in Matthew 23. In verse 27, he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. He just, he's just so out there. You know, sometimes I, I always picture Jesus like in the paintings or in the movies where he's just real gentle and he's always a little out of focus, you know, and there's like this glow and he's, he's just so nice. He's just so nice. And I think that was typically, maybe that was his, his personality, but here in this moment, he's very direct and uh, so much to the point. He goes, he says, you're like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Can you imagine just saying that to somebody's face? Especially the religious leaders in the community. When we encounter people like this, and you will, You know, you will. One of the excuses I used was the old standard. You know, the cliche. Well, I don't want to go to church because there are so many hypocrites there. You know, and I think, yeah, what did you expect? Of course there are hypocrites there. There are hypocrites everywhere. (laughs) I wouldn't go to a ball game if I didn't think there were going to be sports hypocrites, you know, in the stadium. There are people, uh, you jumped from Indiana to the, you know, you, you left the Colts and went with the Broncos. You did. You hypocrite. You did that. And your jersey, is so, you mow the yard in your Colts jersey now. Why? Because of Peyton. Come on, be honest. You see, we're hypocrites in all areas of life. So don't be surprised when you get here and you run into some. 
Paul says, what do you do when you go, you know, you see these people and they act this way, but they're really not that way. He's so plain. He's as plain as Jesus about it. In verse 5, he says, um, just have nothing to do with those people. He said, don't, don't have anything to do with them. What? Did I hear that right? In 1 Corinthians, in, in, in chapter 15, in verse 33, he says, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Can you just hear your mother's voice saying that? Every Friday night, every Saturday night, bad company corrupts good, you know. I remember that. In Proverbs, Solomon says this in, in, in Proverbs 22. He says, do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn his ways and become easily ensnared. Have you ever been around somebody with a certain negative characteristic and you, you kind of ignore it or hold it at a distance, but as a friendship develops and as you're, more, you know, you're around them, you find yourself saying stuff and doing things like they do? I had a friend in high school, and he was one of the most influential people I think I've ever known. Just his personality, he, just, he could get you to do anything. And there were these moments where I'm... <laughs> I could, I'm tempted, no, I'm not, I'm not, but tell you some of the stories of stuff. I find myself in this moment doing something, thinking, how did I get here? Why, and this is not me, I don't even want to do this. Why am I doing this? Because he talked me into it, or because it just seemed so funny. And a couple of those occasions, you know, I end up in the, I remember being in the, I'll just say this part, just this little part, in the back of a police car, thinking, what in the world am I doing in here? There's no, not, I can't get out. And I'm looking at my friend, and he just thinks it's funny. And I'm thinking, it's not funny anymore. I'm not going to follow you. You're a bad influence. You know those people. Some of you are those people. Okay. It's a tough decision to exclude people like that from your life. Certain people don't need to be in your inner circle. I know that sounds harsh. You think you're so judgmental, and you're so holier than that. Do not have to yield to their way of life and to their influence. These are toxic people. And they will be in every place uh, in the world. It's, it's, a, it's just an unfortunate truth. And you need to learn to just avoid them. I'm giving you permission to do that. This isn't just friends and families and, you know, co-workers. I mean, I do not want you to call your mom and say, hey, we won't be there Christmas. Yeah, my pastor said, you're messing me up. I can't, I can't even be around you all. You know, that's not what I'm saying. And if she calls me or if your daddy emails me and says, you know, what did you tell? My son says he's because I'm a bad influence. I, no, go, go see them. But, you know, I think you get what I'm saying. And it's not just the people that influence you. You spend enough time listening to people uh, make fun of people, listening to people ridicule people and mock people, listening to people insult people, and you, you become like that. It's just, it's absolutely poisonous, this, the, what this influence uh, can, can have. And it's not just like, it's television shows can subtly just kind of seep into your, you know, your soul, your music. I mean, I, just, I could go all kinds of directions with this, uh, but there's an influence there, and you probably need to step back, look at that, what's influencing you, and, uh, and rethink it, rethink it, and, and create some distance there. Now, 
the flip side of that, of avoiding the wrong kind of people, brings us to the second thing that I want to share today, and that's that you need to learn how to latch on to the right kind of people. Put the, get the right people uh, in your life. I was reading a biography of Albert Schweitzer. Um, he was an amazing man. He's like the ultimate Renaissance guy. He was a musician, a theologian, a philosopher, a physician, and a medical missionary to Africa. He was a winner of the Nobel Peace Prize. When that really meant something. Okay, he could spend his life enjoying... You notice how I just, I'm just so snarky today. I don't know what's in I'm just kind of just like that. I don't know. Okay, I'm going to try to stop doing that. But he, he chose to spend his life serving the poor in a village in Africa, living uh, and, and working in these really substandard conditions. When he was admired all over the world, he didn't have to do that, but he did. And when people were critical of his methodology or of his theology, or of his motivations, his response was, in in one particular public setting, he said, my life is my argument. And it just got quiet. D.L. Moody, the great evangelist, who was friends with uh, Hudson Taylor and and Charles Spurgeon and all these men, he's a great revivalist, uh, d- during and especially after the Civil War here in America and uh, after one of his meetings where thousands of people had come and several had come to know Christ through that, a guy came up and said, D.L. Moody, uh, Dw- he called him Dwight, it was his name. He said, Dwight, I, I, I don't like your plan. I don't like your method. I don't like the way you do this. He said, well, what's, what's your method? What is, what is your plan? He goes, well, I, I don't have one. He goes, I, I like mine better. <laughs> And I, and I think that's, we've we got to let good people influence us. Like these people. And let your life be your argument. And Paul basically says that to Timothy here in, in verse 10. He writes, you, however, know all about my teaching. Timothy, you get it. You know my way of life. You know my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance. You saw the persecutions with your own eyes. The sufferings. I've been there. I'm not just talking about this. In those places and the persecutions, I endured these things. Yet, the Lord rescued me from all of them. And Paul, it almost sounds a little arrogant, doesn't it? Because he's kind of bragging. He's saying, I'm the real deal. Check it out. Look at my life. Look at me. I'm not hiding anything. You know that what I'm saying is true. You know I'm living this. In other places, Paul told believers, one of the most uh, you know, uh, the, the bodacious things he ever said in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. You know, young believers would come to Jesus and they'd go to Paul and go, we don't know what to do and how to do this. And Paul would say, just watch me, kid. Just do whatever I do. Just follow me. Just follow me. Keep your eye on me. I mean, I'd, I would be really hesitant about that. But Paul was bold because he could afford to be. He had the courage to say it because his life was his argument. He, he, could, he could back that up. And I think he was a lot more humble than maybe I'm, I'm coming across with that today. But if you want to go the distance, 
Look for those whose walk matches their talk and follow their example. Okay, and that's true in every, every area of your life. The simple truth is, at least for me, that it's easier sometimes to fa- find bad examples to avoid than it is to find good examples to follow. But I promise you they're out there. And if you begin to pray and say, God, I just really need some good influences in my life, and I want to know people, not just at a distance, uh, have admiration for people, but what I'm finding is that God will bring those people into your life if you keep looking for the right person. Nobody's perfect. They're not going to ever not make mistakes, even Paul. But the overall direction of their life is going to be positive. It's going to be worth imitating. When I'm in a difficult situation, when I'm in a spot and I think, man, I'm facing this decision, I'm not sure what to do, I don't know how to go forward, uh, I think about the leaders that God has placed in my life. There are a handful of, of godly people that I've chosen and given them the right to have a voice as an influence in my life. Some of you are in this room, some of you are n- not. But these, listening to, to these, uh, especially just two or three men in my life, that they help me uh, not just get started, but I, I want to cross the finish line. They're the ones that are going to be there. They're the ones that are going to point me and push me and nudge me in that direction. Now, there's one other thing that I want you to see in this, this area of making good decisions, making wise choices. And I'm going to encourage you to stay close to the Scriptures. Anthony sang about that a moment ago. Um, when I began to walk with the Lord, I couldn't, I didn't even have a Bible. You've heard me tell my stories, but I, uh, I was just really impacted by this. And I began to go to this little Bible study, and, and I'm just fascinated. And re- it kind of got me curious about what they were teaching. And I'm thinking, now where did you get that? And they're going like, it's in the Bible. And I'm going in the Bible. I just thought the Bible talked like, duh, duh, duh. You know, I didn't know. So I went home, and I I found in, there's a hall closet in my mom's house, and up on the top shelf, there was a, a Bible. And I, I remember getting it down and starting to read that and wondering, where has this been all my life? You know, just being kind of surprised by, like, wow, that's, I just thought it was stories, and, you know, I'd heard about the flood, and Noah, and, and uh, you know, Goliath and David. I thought, you know, and I heard some things like that and Jesus. And I mean, sort of this, you know, this fuzzy, weird kind of a, a view of it. And I began to read it and think, wow, this is really, really good. Uh, and I have found that staying close to Scripture is the safest place. Because I've been in all kinds of environments uh, academically, uh, in studying scripture, you know, and, and theology, and you hear all these ideas and theories and different doctrines and stuff, and I think, I just got to stay in the Word. I just got to stay there. When I was a young Christian, a pastor sat me down, and he said, hey, let me show you how to spend time with the Lord uh, in, in His Word. And he showed me how to study a, a passage of scripture and a notebook. At that time, you don't remember stenographer's pads, but I had one. They flipped from the top, and it had kind of a hard back, so wherever you are, you could press and write, and it wouldn't fold up on you. Kind of like, like, like a journal. 
Uh, and he, he said, you know, take notes along the way, uh, jot down any questions or thoughts that, you, you know, you, you get to or, you know, study. Uh, he got me a study Bible. Um, he said, the most important part of your daily Bible study is the last sentence that you write. He said, each day, end your notes with the phrase, today I need to. He said, then fill that in. He said, write down an action that you will take in response to what you just read and learned in the Word. Making it practical helped me to become not just a reader, but a doer uh, of the Word. And I'm still learning that, uh, how, how to apply Scripture to my everyday life. Because studying the Bible, studying you know Scripture is is not just about warehousing more and more information. What that will do is just puff you up. You'll just get really prideful and arrogant, and you'll think, I know all these things, and you'll just you'll kind of really easily get into your, just your religious flesh uh, about that. Uh, what it is is that this teaches us how to live and how to make this real. That's why James said in James chapter 1, verse 22, he said, do not merely listen to the word because you'll, kid yourself. He said, you deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Just do what it says. It's not, you know, it's one of those things in life that you think, well, this is so hard, but it's so simple. It's so profound, but it's so easy. Yeah, it's, it's like that. You just read it and do it. In James 1.25, he says, the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has uh, heard, but doing it. He will be blessed in what he does. Paul tells Timothy to continue living according to what you've learned in the Scriptures. In verse 16, he references that. He said, all Scripture, he said, all of this is God-breathed. It's the word that we get our word inspired. It's it's inspired. It's, It's useful for teaching and rebuking, correcting, Training in righteousness, it's just, it's there, it's there. He said, so that every man, every woman can be thoroughly equipped and you're ready for good works. You're ready to go out and do things. Of course, Paul's talking about the Old Testament because the New Testament is still being written, okay? It's not finished being invented yet and being put together. But over a course of time, there developed this consensus among church leaders everywhere about which books should be included into the New Testament. It was finalized. And I think we could say uh, even more so about the New Testament that it's God-breathed, that, it's, that it's, inspired. it's useful. It's so useful for teaching and correcting and training and equipping. So I'm, you'll, you'll just turn into a junkie, and you'll, you'll start reading it, and you'll think, man, I've got to have another verse. I've got to have another verse. Yeah. And, and I did this as a young believer, and I would be working. I got a little pocket New Testament. And I would have read something. I may think, man, I've got to have another verse. I'm getting that craving, you know. I'm getting that <laughs> thing. I gotta... So I'd slip into the men's room. I'm not making this up. And I would get it out. And I would look it up. And I'd read some verses. And it's like, oh, yeah. Oh, man, yeah. I'd read that. And I'd put it away. And it would get me to lunch. And at lunch, I'd sit in my car in the parking lot. I'd pull back in from lunch and think, Get me some more verses, man, real quick. Before I go in, I've got to have another hit. And so I'd put, I'd put it out and I'd read some more. I'm still doing it to this day. I'm so addicted. I'm just so addicted. I'm just useless without God's Word. 
I would have nothing to say to you today if it weren't for God's word. I could make speeches and give lectures, but it wouldn't do anybody any good. It's the word. That's the big deal. That's the thing about it. You need to get addicted to it. Just start with a verse every day. Watch what happens. It's going to be cool. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. It's going to influence the way that you think, and that's going to influence what you believe and the way that you behave. I heard somebody say once that, you know, for a... Many Christians, the Bible, it's kind of like those terms of service agreement contracts when you download new software or you upgrade. You know, the new system comes out, and what do you do? You buzz right through that till the end. There's the green box, agree, and you click it. <laughs> A lot of Christians say, I believe the Word of God. I believe the Bible. I be well, do you ever read it? Well, no, I just believe it. And I go, well, you don't know what's in there. You need to kind of be careful. You know, and you don't know what's in that concert. You know, I don't read them either. That service agreement, you could have said, we want your firstborn child, we now get everything in your will, and we're coming over to your house to eat dinner tomorrow night. Agree. You know, download, download. Why does it take so long? You know, and we, we, I know a lot of Christians are like that with the Bible. They would defend it like crazy, but they never open it up. So I'm kind of fussing a little bit, but before you install, um, I'm just in, encouraging you to, to, to open it up. Um, Read it. Just read it. You're going to be absolutely amazed at how much it can tell you about how to live a meaningful life. And if you've never been much of a Bible reader, um, you're, just, you're going to be so surprised at all the misconceptions that you had. What you thought it said, what somebody told you it said, and just the image and the impression that you get about God and Scripture from sort of like hearsay, you know, or secondhand. So many things, because I, like I said, I grew up in a home, we didn't go to church, but my mother, God bless her, I love my mom, but she would quote scriptures that only when I grew up I found out, those aren't scriptures, <laughs> they're, they're mom-isms, you know? But she gave them the authority of scripture. And so I did it the whole time thinking I'm obeying scripture. Now, now I'm going to ask her about that one day, you know, and then, mom, that wasn't in the Bible. You were just trying to get me to wash up or do whatever she wanted to do. Just read it, just read it. The power of the Word of God is just, it's just incredible. That's why Paul told Timothy, Timothy, stay close to the Bible. You're going to hear some crazy stuff. You're going to hear all kinds of wacky teaching, and, and you're going to think, wow, that sounds kind of good, or that's sort of believable, or I hope that's true because that's where I, what I, my flesh is pulled to, and I'd love to say, well, you know, I just believe this way, and you kind of use that as an excuse. He said, no, stay close to the Bible. It has this power to teach you to rebuke you, to correct you, to train you, to equip you for everything that God's got in store for you in the future. And if you step into the future without the influence of Scripture, I just got to tell you, your life's going to get very thin, very shallow, and very superficial. You need that weight. You need the strength of that Word. And if you want to cross the finish line, if you want to end well, I'm challenging you today to decide... That for the rest of this year, you're going to soak up the principles of Scripture and let this become the primary influence in your life and in your decisions. You know how sometimes I say this little thing about do the next right thing? Just do the next right thing? That's sort of... <laughs> That's pretty simplified, I understand. You know, when I say that's sort of, that's kind of what Scripture tells me. 
Because if it weren't for that, what I would do is that I would do what feels right or expedient or is convenient or the path of least resistant. What is, what is the, what's the least painful way I can go forward? The least expensive way I can go. And God says, I'm going to teach you how to ignore all these influence and these voices and all the chaos around you. And you just stay single focused, apply the principles of my word, do the next right thing. And watch what happens in your life. Watch what happens. The next time you feel this bent, you feel this pull, like you could tell this one little lie and you're out of this. You could, you could, pull, you could do this and, and the situation will be resolved. And God's voice is going to come back through a scripture and say, no, 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 don't take that path. I know it's going to be pain. I know this probably feels like this is not going to make sense, but just do the next right thing. Do what, do what Scripture's pushing you towards. And then look back in the next three months, six months, and year. And next January, I promise you, for what that's worth, um, you can look back and go, I'm absolutely amazed at how things are working out and how the, the rhythm, the flow of my life has totally changed because of the influence of the Word. These ancient words. It's just... It's just crazy. It's incredible, and it really works. So here's the deal. In life's journey, you're going to encounter lots of voices, right? You're already hearing them. They're attempting to gain positions of authority and influence in your heart, in your soul, in your life. Only a few deserve that place. You're going to have to let go of a lot of that. You're going to have to latch onto the right ones, and you're going to have to get refocused on Scripture. Watch carefully those who claim to be leaders and teachers and speakers and the books you read. I'm just, I'm just saying use discernment. Watch their lives. I'm not telling you to go around. You don't have to be judgmental, just discerning. And ask yourself, not just do I like what they wrote, do I like the movie they were in, so I'm going to believe when they talk about this over here? I love their songs, so I guess they're right when they talk in this area. Not necessarily, probably not, actually. Ask yourself, what about the person? Is that the kind of person that I want to be? There are people out there who have no concern uh, at all for your character. <laughs> they just want to be up front. They just want to have followers. They just, they just want to look at their Twitter and go, look at that, man, I'm so popular. <laughs> that, that's really it. Paul warned us about them. He said, stay away, stay away. Instead, look for those who walk the talk, who can honestly say, my life is my argument. My life, don't just listen to me, watch me. And you won't find anybody perfect out there. There's nobody perfect. But you will find men and women of integrity, who God can use and will use to speak leadership. Um, it could be a brother or a sister. It could be your children sometimes. Um, I had influence in ways I didn't know. You know, I didn't know that because I'm always focused on who's influencing me. And sometimes I forget that I'm influencing that I'm an influencer. When, um, 
my little brother passed away and we're going through some things and somehow we came across notebooks these you know those composition books like you have in in high school and you know and going through and one of them he had he had to write like a one or two page essay about another person and he wrote his essay about me I knew I was an influence because I was seven years older than him, and he always kind of looked up at me. I was always at that cooler place in life, you know, wherever he was. You know, if I'm in middle school, oh, that's so old and so cool, and high school and, you know, college. This essay, as I read it, uh, I just began to cry because it hit me as he just began to talk about his big brother, the influence that I had on him. And sometimes I just can't help but wonder if I could have had more. If I could have been an even better. Because there was a time in my life, there was a phase, I'm embarrassed at what he was seeing and watching in the brother that he used to know. And when I repented, he's one of the first guys I told. And I had the opportunity, when I came to Christ, uh, we shared a room. You know, some of you grew up in a three-room house. You know what I'm talking about. You know, you just, I shared a room with him and our beds are right there against the two walls. And and kneeling beside his bed one night, uh, after a conversation, he prayed to receive Christ. Uh, but it wasn't always a good influence on him. I don't, I don't know. I'm just, kinda, I'm just throwing that out there because I think you may be influencing a lot more people and in more significant ways than you realize. Some of your coworkers, some of your roommates and people in your dorm, they're, they know you're a Christian, Right? I always think this when Kathy and I go out to eat and, and once we, we say a blessing over our food and then the server comes by and I think, well, now we've got to give a big tip because she saw us pray, <laughs> you know. We, gotta, we, gotta, we can't argue or anything. Not that we would. But you know what I'm saying? We're influences in our culture. And when we leave here in a couple of minutes, we're going to be influences. And tomorrow and the next day, because people know who you are. Let your life back up what you say and what you talk about so that then you can invite them. You can invite him. Most of all, just cling to his word. Every day of your life, uh, spend some time reading it and just absorbing uh, what's there. Spend time in it and, and ask ask every time before and after you read or somewhere in the midst of that, God, what are you teaching me today and how do you want me to respond? What do you want me to do next? Anything you want me to do next? Are we good? What, what's, he goes, no, as you can see, you've got, a, you've got a problem in this area. I need you to correct that. And here's, let it do that, it'll absolutely um, change your world. Let me ask you this one question, and this is what I want to be sort of ringing in your imagination and your heart uh, for the rest of the day. Who is the greatest influence in your life? Who are the influencers in your life? Who are you influencing? And how are you influencing them? Let's pray. Father, the answer to that question, you let us choose. And your, our choices are going to determine, I think, how long we last and how far we go and what the end of this year is going to look like. Some of us know we're not being influenced in good directions and good patterns. And Father, would you give us the grace to just let go of those people in our lives? Father, would you give us the heart and the grace and bring people into our lives that, that we can embrace, that we can latch on to and, and let them influence us. And Father, in the midst of that, I pray that we would, we're all Timothys and we're all Pauls. 
we're all being influenced and we're all influencing. Help us to look around this week and to see who it is that we're influencing and purpose, be very purposeful about how we're going to influence them from this day forward. And Lord, the other thing I pray, one other thing, is that you would use your word in just an extraordinary way to draw us closer to Christ and to change our character. And uh, Lord, just to bring solutions and peace and healing through your word. Thank you for that. We look forward to what you'll do next. We ask all these things that it might bring you glory in Jesus' name.